Welcome back to The Styling Lab, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. This week was round 14 of the MotoGP Championship. Is it, isn't it 15 already? No, I am confused. Five races left. Um. Oh, it was 15. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Math genius right here. Can you tell I'm delusional at this point? Okay, well, there you go. It was round 15 of the MotoGP Championship and we were at Aragon. Now, this circuit is fantastic and it never fails. Every year we always have three fantastic races and this year was exactly the same. So let's just get straight into it. We have to start with Moto3 and I'm just going to jump straight in with the winner Izan Guevara. Now, I'm going to make a bold prediction here, Anik, but I've already made it on Twitter, so some people might have already seen this. He has to be the world champion. Has to be. I had really high hopes for other riders, even though I am a big Izan Guevara fan. I There are some riders that I still even like more. But <laughs> at that point, I have to agree with you. He's mm. been so incredibly strong on his own in the team in groups he's fought his way back up in some races yeah. he managed to win from pole he managed for, to win maybe not from the back of the grid but from the middle of the pack which is yeah. we know in motor 3 how risky that is Definitely. so he, i don't know where he takes where he gets his pace and the mental strength he's just I feel like we sort of took the mick out of him a little bit at the start of this year, obviously, because of his childish antics from last year. But he has done some work on himself over that winter break and over the season so far because he just seems so cool, calm and collected. Like, I don't know if people watch this, but on Saturday in Q1, he was doing handstands <laughs> in his pit box waiting for Q2. And he's like... Mm. I'm just doing some light work and it's like what do you like you have to be calm and be sure of yourself to be mucking around like that in your pit box before going out for qualifying and then smashing a timeout on your own not in a group no slipstream and put it on pole position we don't see it very often in Moodle 3 but he is becoming more and more sure of himself and he goes out on his own and at nearly every circuit is able to pull a stunning lap out of nowhere. I don't. I literally can't wrap my head around it. I, I seriously don't know. It feels like during last year's winter break, which is about four months, it feels like he aged about five years just yeah. simply in maturity. It's crazy, <laughs> and yeah. I'm really excited to see him in Moto2 next year. Mm, well, yes, it's it not announced been... yet, no, but it's yeah. <laughs> 99% sure. Yes, well, it hasn't been officially confirmed, but we are pretty much 99% sure. We're just waiting on the announcement that he will be confirmed for the Aspar Moto2 seat alongside Jake Dixon. That would be such a lineup next year. I'm really excited and I really hope it's true. Yeah, I think him and Jake would, first of all, get along very well. Yeah. And he could learn a lot from Jake because he's Jake is a bit older. Not that he's yeah. old, but compared to Izan, he is yeah. a couple of years older. And there's a lot of experiences and things around the bike that he could pick up from Jake. And yeah, 
Oh, it would be good. maybe one of my favorite lineups in Murder Tour right mm. now. We'll get onto another lineup in a wee bit when we talk about another rider, but yeah, it will be good. And he had an absolutely fantastic race. The person in second place just, I mean, he tried his hardest, but he could not get close enough to even attempt to make a move. We knew the top three within about four laps, or within about four corners, sorry, of the first lap. These guys were just in a league of their own. But second place man, Ayumi Suzaki, oh, he was good, but he just didn't have just that little bit extra to get ahead of Guevara. In saying that, though, I'm still so impressed by this performance. I mean, Suzaki is one of the people that I wish could win the championship. <laughs> he had a lot of misfortune during the season. He had a couple of, he's done a couple of mistakes on his own. Mm-hmm. And as always, a bit of a crazy boy, but I, he's just such a likable guy you'll love to see him ride he always puts this all into it and he's just a great rider I mean it's also incredible to see how much he developed during the season yeah and how strong he is at almost every circuit yeah definitely if there's a gap he's going for it if there's not a gap sometimes he goes for it anyway yeah Yeah. (laughs) definitely yeah he does have the championship winning mentality i think and i do hope to see it one day yeah maybe not this year but one day well he's staying where he is isn't he so there's a high chance we'll see him in the same seat again next year so you know next year i think could be his year we do have a lot of young youngsters moving up as well but Suzaki I think after this year and gaining that confidence and taking his first win I think going in next year will definitely spice it up a bit definitely I am 100% sure that he will be in the championship fight next season he is a great rider he is doing brilliantly on that bike but speaking of the bike we do have to talk about the team and there are controversies this weekend because (laughs) there was some spice going on during was it it was q1 yeah i was just about to make the same segue as you just made there i was waiting for you to finish what you had to say and you just ripped the carpet out from underneath me there fantastic yeah we have to talk about max racing team a joke a complete and utter joke is the only way to describe it but in qualifying adrian fernandez who rides for the tech 3 ktm team in moto 3 was about to leave his pit box and two max racing team mechanics were standing beside the bike everything looked normal it was just a bit they've obviously having a wee look at what's going on they go to release adrian and one of the guys pulls adrian's brake lever and they've found that out in the tele telematrix telematrix yeah (laughs) they find that out so they know that 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 100 happened and there's two of them that sort of stand in the way of adrian and like completely throw him off his game i have no idea what they were trying to do i don't know why they tried to do it and max racing team and especially max biagi himself came out and was like i am absolutely disgusted by the behavior of these two mechanics which like what what was in their mind at that moment to go and try and do that it is utterly disgusting and i don't want to see it in moto gp no definitely not it was such unsportsmanlike behavior and just disgraceful to be honest yeah there are two different conspiracies going around one of them is you can clearly see that 
Sasaki has just left the box and Adrian was about to follow him, but I don't see the problem in that. To be honest, because Adrian didn't... Oh no, it was it was in Q2 then. I, I don't know exactly when it was. I would need to go back and double check. But Yeah, it must have been in Q2 then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's besides the point. <laughs> it, it, it was wrong. And Adrian, he is... Um, I don't want to say he's a bad rider, but he's not on the same level as Sasaki at the moment. So I don't see where the problem would be if Adrian would have tried to get a slipstream from Sasaki, especially since that's, you see it so often in Moto3, especially. So Mm. that doesn't really make sense in my head. And the other theory is because Adrian was riding for the Max Racing team and the mechanics knew him, that it might have been a joke on that. But I don't see people who work in that sport, who put their family on hold, who travel the world every single weekend, who put immense work into that sport, know that you're not going to fuck with someone's results. No, no. I mean, you could just tell straight away as much as people wanted to say oh it's maybe because adrian rode for them last year you could tell it wasn't a joke and even if it was a joke it was a bad one at that and it never should have happened and i don't know why they ever thought that that was okay to do now both of the mechanics received a penalty they both received a two thousand euro fine and will miss two races but it won't be until australia and thailand just due to Australia and Malaysia, sorry, yes. just due to immigration and getting there. And for the fact that they're literally racing in Japan this weekend, you know, it's a triple header. It's just not feasible. So in that sense, I think, yes, good thing that they got a penalty. The other thing, you know, if the team has money, they could easily pay that fine for both the mechanics. That's 4,000 euros. And in the world of motorbike racing, that's not a big amount of money. For missing two races, I 100% agree with. To be honest, they should be banned for the rest of the season in my mind. But I am glad that something was done. Yeah. Yes. In my mind, I thought that MotoGP would just ignore the situation. Mm, yes. First I'm of all, it's in yeah. Moto3. I think Dorna, MotoGP, everyone cares the least about that class. Yeah. Stuff like that happening in this class. And also it took quite a while uh, until you heard something happening there it took quite a while until the team did a statement after tech 3 posted the video and i understand that the penalty took quite some time because they had to review the footage they had to get footage from different angles and of course um call them in questioned them so i am yeah, okay t- with time that. wise i don't think was an issue uh penalty wise i do understand the penalty that they have given out in fairness um apparently now this is rumors but i don't know how true this is apparently um adrian's dad took matters into his own hands and there was a bit of an altercation oh i didn't even evening. hear about that yes well apparently one of the mechanics is now in hospital um what yeah but I can't be I don't want to start rumors but there has been a bit of a an altercation I'm going to call it because that's what BT Sport called it but um yes it seems to me that the Fernandezes took matters into their own hands on Saturday evening but I'm not going to go any further than that because I'm not entirely sure of the situation and I've only heard them 
rumors on that one so I'm not I can't confirm anything but it's not good when things like that happen and you don't want things like that to happen and it's just it's stupidity at its highest level it's not a good look for the team for the mechanics or for the sport itself so I do hope it's the first and last time that we've ever seen something like this happening definitely definitely I mean we see motor three riders messing about on track with each other but for mechanics to get involved it's disappointing the mechanics are meant to be the sensible ones in the team you know you put wee kids out on the bike that's understandable they mess around they get penalties and they grow up you don't you know it's very rare that you see the adults starting to get involved and things like that too and I just think it's absolutely crazy but I could go on about that one for hours because I mean it is just mind-blowing I've never seen anything like that before in my life but we have to move on to the third place man because he deserves a very honorable mention too Danny Holgado (laughs) he's on the podium I'm so happy I'm so happy for him I just think this is exactly what he needs I think it was a long time coming and this will be the start of it we'll see him on the podium a lot more now yeah as a so congratulations, Danny, if you're if you're hearing <laughs> this on your first Moto three podium. So yeah, it was an incredible ride. At the beginning, I was a bit not scared. I was a bit worried that he might have issues to go at the same pace as Guevara and mm-hmm. Sasaki in front of him because he, he of course he has less experience than both of them, and both of them are known as very fast riders. And if you're having Dennis Unschlu, who is so desperately waiting for his first podium uh, of the season right now. Yes. Yeah, it's his first. Well, no, he has been on the podium. This season? I thought he was always fourth this season. You just keep talking there and I'll check this out. (laughs) If you know, uh, Dennis Unschlu is also, he's been doing incredible this season. He's very fast and still a bit of his he still has that fire inside of him to go for the gap and I was a bit scared that he might not be able to go with the first well yeah the first and second place riders and nearly miss out on the podium again but Danny Holgado did incredible he finished I think around six seconds behind Guevara but at the same time there were also six seconds because between him and Unshu, so yeah, he great ride. He kept up with Guevara and Suzaki for I'm going to say about ninety percent of the race, and just towards the end, he was falling off the pace slightly. But in saying that, the three of them had created such a gap out front that he could just calm down a little bit, and I think that's exactly what he did. And I think it's a very measured ride from someone so young to realize that I've got the time behind me. There's no need to push up front. I'm not going to get the second place or the win. So I need to just settle where I am and take it. And for your first podium, it was a very calculated and measured ride. And I think it's it's very good from someone who is only 17 years old. You know, very impressive. Um, Just to let you know that Dennis Antry has had a podium. I haven't gone crazy. And it was in Silverstone earlier this year. So oh, he, he, I... he's been on the podium before, but he's only had the one third place finish this year then, he's going for his first Moodle 3 win then but, i'm yeah. going to apologize to dennis <laughs> Anshu. i'm sorry i didn't mean to do it i mean speaking of danny holgado and dennis Anshu, with there were also a lot of news breaking mm. about them yeah dennis Anshu leaving tech three 
Yes. Danny Holgado joining Tech 3. It's um it's a weird one. Dennis Antry leaving Tech 3, I understand, but if he's leaving Tech 3 to go to the IO squad, I don't really know why he made such a sad announcement on his <laughs> Instagram. I mean, I'm I think he gets on with the team and that's probably why he did it, but for Danny Holgado to be in the IO squad and to move to the Tech 3 squad, which is seen, some people would say, as a step down. It's more of a sideward step than a step down because they're all basically the same bikes. But it's very strange because we had this last year with Holgado was initially in the Tech 3 team and then it was shuffled about and then he was in the IO team. And it's just very confusing. Aki IO seems to like to have things very a certain way it seems to me that he likes to have an experienced rider and a young rider like a, a rookie basically in both squads I don't know it, it's a bit strange but for Holgado it shouldn't really affect him too much and if it is Anshu that's moving into the IO squad you know it shouldn't really change either of the boys performances I just think it's a bit of a strange move yeah it in my eyes it doesn't really make sense either for especially for Danny scoring pretty good results in his rookie season of course he's no Pedro Acosta but no one is Pedro Acosta except <laughs> for Pedro Acosta exactly. <laughs> yeah I don't know what they expected him to do to keep his seat but there isn't much more that you could have asked of him in my opinion yeah, yeah. and I think to move on to about is a bit strange I mean to me, the the move that makes more sense is to move him up to Mudo too, but they haven't. Well, as far as we're aware, they're not going to do that because there's massive rumors that Albert Arenas is moving into the Mudo two KTM squad or Red Bull squad. Sorry, I should say. But you know, I don't know. It just all seems a bit strange. Uh, yeah, especially you could have moved Enshu to the IO team since we know that Halme Masia won't be there for yes. next season. Yes. So, exactly. There are so many contract announcements. There's so many crazy ones. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get on to Masia um in a little bit, but we have to move on to the fifth place man who we have mentioned already. Adrian Fernandez was on one this weekend he had every point to prove I mean he just got a flame lit under him and decided that this was the weekend that he needed to absolutely send it he was in fifth place which equals his best or is his best finish I should say in Moto3 which is absolutely fantastic I'm just so annoyed that he's had to go through so much rubbish to get there because during the race Munoz decided to be Munoz and uh, completely just made a move that was not on he knocked Adrian back to like 13th at one point then continued to do the same move for about two or three laps after that Jamie Messia got involved I don't know how they all stayed on but you know Fernandez had to make his way back up the pack and he did it stunningly to finish in fifth place it was by far his best performance to date in Moto3 and hopefully he will just keep going up from here without crazy circumstances every weekend hopefully though but you know hopefully this is the the start of something really good for him yes i was very impressed of his result this weekend i didn't really expect it he you could really see that he grew from the challenge that he was getting the challenges that he was getting everywhere and he it was time for him to score a good result because we talking about the KTM contract we yeah. also know that 
currently we don't know where Adrian Fernandez will race yes. next season. Yes. He will be replaced by another rookie, Farioli. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, he needs to make a case for himself if he wants to stay in the class. Because yeah. I don't see him moving up to Moto2. No. I think there is no chance for him. And not at the minute. Yeah, not at the minute. Not, not, not for next yeah. season. It yeah. would be also a silly decision for his career. But yeah, it's very interesting what's going on at KTM right now. Yeah. I mean, KTM has been a bit of uh, doing wild moves. But I was really happy to see Adrian doing better. I mean, we both know, or everyone knows, that both Fernandes brothers had their ups and downs, which leaned more towards downs this season. And yeah, generally good result for him. Yeah, definitely. In sixth place was Ortola, which was a good race. And seventh place is the man that I just mentioned, uh, Munoz. I don't know how he managed to get back up into seventh place because he received a long lap penalty for the silly moves that he was making on multiple different riders. Full, like, 100% deserved penalty because he made the move on Fernandez, which wasn't on. He then tried to make the move on several other riders. Like I mentioned, Jamie Messia, literally, I mean, if he could speak to him, he'd be like, what are you doing? and took matters into his own hands before Race Direction was able to do anything about it and tried to get him to stay behind him, which is quite funny to watch. You know, Messiah obviously being a bit more <laughs> mature in this class was literally like, would you wise up? But he eventually got along that penalty, which I think was fully deserved. It dropped him back to again about 13th, but he made his way up towards the end of the race, seventh place. It always makes me question whether or not penalties or harsh enough in Moto3, but I'm not going to get into it right now because I could go on a massive, massive tangent. But I just wish he would just rein it in a little bit because he has so much talent, but he's ruining it by making these stupid moves because people are going to start making stupid moves on him in retaliation. They're going to get so sick of it that they're just going to completely disregard him and it's going to get chaotic. I think that at the moment, his ambition outweighs... His experience, <laughs> no, and not his talent because he's crazy talented. I mean, there is no doubt about that, but it outweighs his experience, and that's mm. a big problem because I think he severely overestimates the way he enters and leaves the corner at the moment. Yeah. Because he's he, how many races has he done now? Seven, like six or, or seven, seven? Yeah. yeah. I it's crazy, and to be usually in the front group or at least in the top 10 there are so many people who have experience usually maybe not the most experienced but at least one or two seasons more which still equals to at least 15 to 30 more races than he does yeah and I think that's the biggest problem that he has at the moment but of course, experience is something that you can't fake. It's coming by time, and that's mm. something that he can't rush. And um, he could work a bit on his maturity in that sense. Well, he's 16. When you look at it that way, it's like, what do you expect by having a 16-year-old in there? I, I just think it's it's crazy. And I think this is the perfect example why we needed age limits on these classes. I think he's absolutely fantastic, but he just has no regard for those around him. And thankfully, it hasn't caused any serious 
crashes or injuries yet but if he keeps going the way he's going you know something very bad could happen and I think he needs to learn that and not the hard way hopefully but I think he just saw that Dennis Unshu started to calm down a bit and yeah he needs to be crazy just one said, <laughs> yeah, just said okay I will just pick it right up there I'll do it no problem <laughs> yeah I think he but has um in general we'll talk- he did have a good ride though like results wise I mean yeah of course results wise but you don't it's not always going to work that way and you can't just barge your way through everyone you need to be calculated and you need to be mature and you need to be calm in these situations you know you're putting your life at risk already by riding a motorbike don't add more flame to the fire you know yeah it doesn't make sense but we'll move on anyway to the eighth place man Jamie Messia he was great this weekend he started eighth finished eighth so you may say not good but he did give Munoz a good school lesson which I will always say is good (laughs) and he signed a new contract for next year so you know he's living life he's going back to the Leopard team believe it or not he did race for them before a couple of years ago before moving to KTM um bit of a weird one I'm not gonna lie because I thought he would be moving up but there doesn't seem to be space oh. for any of the KTM riders in Moto2. So he's obviously had to look sideways and he's signed for one of the best teams in Moto3. So it could be good for him. I think going back to a team that you're familiar with, you've worked well with before, you know, he's taken wins with them before. It could work very, very well for him. But now I'm sort of starting to wonder when is that progression to move up going to happen? getting very worried that we could see him in this class for a long time when he does deserve to move up into Moodle 2. I am trying to think if I believe that he's the KTM rider who would deserve the most to move to Moodle 2 and I'm not sure about it to be honest. No I don't think he is at the minute but I do think he deserves to move up to Moodle 2 within the next year or two you know he's 21 22 years old it's the only natural progression you know what I mean yes I do see where you're coming from because he does have the experience in the class there's not much that he can where he can progress to except for maybe a murder three championship but at the same time of course it's nice to be a champion but he's the learning curve would be way more accelerated if he would move to Moto2. So I can kind of see where your point is. But at the same time, he's, at the moment, in my opinion, he wasn't consistent enough this season to not to not deserve because that sounds very harsh again. But yeah, I, I do get I'm it. I don't think sure. he's, I don't think he's earned it currently, but I'm not really sure what else he can do other than win the championship, which you know, you never know. There's so many possibilities and great riders coming up into the class. Experience doesn't always go well for Moto3 riders. You know, you get the young yeah. rookies coming in every so often and just annihilating the competition. You know, it just for the age that he is and the people around him who are of a similar age are all starting to make that progression up. It's worrying from the outside looking in. If he has a plan, he has a plan, but I would like to see him moving up in the next year to two years, definitely. Yes. I think he he will have to prove himself how he will do on the Honda. And even though the KDM teams are great in Moto3 and Moto2, I don't know if I would really enjoy being a rider for them. 
in yeah. their current situation. Yeah. There's not much progression uh, yeah. going on, but anyway, that's his career's one I could talk about forever, yeah. like many other things in this class. But I'm going to start just running through people and I'll stop at some people that I think we should mention. But we had a ninth place for Tatai, 10th place for John McBee, 11th place for Artigas, 12th place was Suzuki, and 13th place was Sergio Garcia. What? the hell is he doing i have to say that 12 13 and 14 mm. doesn't make sense in my brain yes well 14 <laughs> is dennis Foggia, just to uh, make things yeah. a little bit worse for everyone it was uh, a bit worse for me I yeah. think, mostly um i don't understand what especially garcia and Foggia were doing because yeah. both of them were just nowhere they lost like the connection to the group in front of them. I... Well, Sergio was in that group. Dennis was not. I'll start with Sergio. He was definitely in that group. He had a few big moments, which he had to save. And he just started going backwards. But he was actually battling up there for a lot of the race. The race started for Dennis Foggia. And he just literally went backwards. And he was just sitting off the back of the second group. It was wild. Apparently, I don't know if that's true or not, but apparently he had set up problems, so he just didn't have pace at all. I know that you don't want to believe this. I am a believer. Oh, I believe. No, no, no. How <laughs> does such is... a well-oiled machine like I... Leopard go wrong? I don't know, because I also the weather was great. There was no rain, so no excuses on that part. And he won the race last year, so he isn't... It's not a circuit where Dennis is not good on. We've seen this from him already this season. There, He gets on a good streak, he closes the championship, you're thinking, God, he actually is still in with a chance here, and then he does that. Uh, I am not happy about it. You can't deny well, it that we've yeah, seen it before. I... Mm, I will, what is it? I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it just Garcia, means... I just want to say uh, about Garcia, Foggia at least had uh, kind of solid qualifying. Garcia was also qualifying to me. Yeah, honest. but what's worse, qualifying well and then finishing badly or qualifying meh and finishing one space behind, but actually being up there and battling? I mean, at least Fodria had some pace during the weekend. The only reason he got 14 is because <laughs> someone else had to take a long lap penalty. I mean, no, I'm not happy with him whatsoever. You can't win a championship doing that. I, I think the same for Sergio Garcia is the thing. It's just, what are they doing? They've literally handed Izan Guevara over 20 points this weekend. Talking about Garcia, another thing, he might have had not the greatest of races, but he also has a contract announcement. Yes, well, maybe that's why he doesn't care anymore. But I mean, in my <laughs> mind, he still would want to win the championship, so yeah. I'm a bit confused by that one. But yes, Sergio Garcia has signed for a Moto2 team. And no, it isn't Aspar. He is going to be Aaron Canet's teammate for the Pawns team next year. I am so excited for this lineup. I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic but in saying that i want him to fight for the moodle 3 championship before he moves because yeah. what are you doing otherwise i also think if he would just let it go now 
stupid you're throwing away an opportunity this is a prime opportunity to win this i mean you've got five races anything could happen to Guevara, but you've made him now a massive hurdle to jump over when it was only 11 points after last race now it's over 30 points just like what are you doing it's so confusing from the outside looking in and yeah okay he's got a seat for next year that's fine he's cushy but you know you still got races to race so race them properly and i also think it's a bit of an ego thing <laughs> like you having to basically leave aspar to get a seat in motor two because i think Izan was still the even though it's not announced yet it's we are all pretty sure that he will get a motor two seat so that, if you, i was told it was the champion whoever's the champion and to be fair it is between the two aspar boys for the championship fudge is in the background somewhere not that close I but he also... is still there but it was always going to be whoever wins the championship so it, it wasn't certain that Guevara was getting it or is getting it we know it's not confirmed but I also have to retract my previous statement about Guevara and Dixon being my favorite Moto2 team yeah I was gonna say yeah. soon you said that I was like mm, do you know what's coming up when we talk later? yeah I completely forgot about it but at the same time I do prefer Guevara over Garcia mm. but Owen Conrad is just pulling the weight yeah, in that team yeah, I get for me that, I get that. well yes well Foggia is moving to the Atal trans team as well I'm nearly sure we mentioned that in last week's episode yeah. it was announced in Mizano but you know this is this is what I'm talking about with Jami Masia, Suzaki a lot of boys are moving up this year so there is a lot of opportunity next year to win the championship so that is good for the people who are staying i suppose but we'll move on then in 15th we had marrera we had to take a long lap penalty for exceeding track limits 16th was ricardo rossi 17th was furisato 18th was Mino. i don't even want to talk about it 19th (laughs) was nepa 20th was bartolini 21st was kelso 22nd was scott ogden vision track and scott are just not having a good time if i have ever wanted to give someone a hug it's scott ogden he just needs to catch a break it's ridiculous now it's getting upsetting to watch you know it's horrible it's also very weird because at the beginning your team your riders your starter rookies you i imagine your expectations aren't this high but i don't get how they could have gotten everything at the beginning so right just to make it so wrong this as the, the season progressed yeah. and I know we've spoken to him a few times but you can see in the the flashes of that he has that is good he could so be inside that top 10 every week if he could just catch a break and I'd, it's either with the way the bike's set up or it's with luck with being taken off by other riders or crashes and it's just it's hard but I do think it'll work out for him. But we're going into circuits now that he's never been to before. A lot of the younger riders have never been to before. It could be very interesting because not very many of, of the grid have actually raced here. So the next few rounds will be good. I like flowers. So maybe Vision Track will enjoy some some time out of Europe, but we'll we'll see anyway. But <laughs> not good for Scott Ogden anyway. Um, 23rd then was Toba. 24th was Adji, 25th was Anna Carrasco, 26th was Morosi, and 27th, Maria Herrera. And you might go, Lauren, what are you talking about? 
Maria Herrera was wild carding this weekend with an all-female team. Her mechanics, the team boss, her, it was fantastic. It was so good to see it. The team looked amazing. I loved the livery, the bike, just the leathers. Everything looked great. The team worked really well by the looks of it. And she wasn't completely off the pace, which was really nice to see. She did finish last. So everyone's going to be like, what are you talking about? But, you know, she hasn't ridden Moon 3 in forever. She's been riding Moon E recently, which is a completely different bike. And I think she did herself and the team justice. And I really want to see it more often, to be honest. I can only agree with you. Yeah. I can't comment a lot on her performance, especially since you rarely see people in the back on stream. Yeah. So it's difficult to judge them by the way they are leaning into a corner, how they accelerate, stuff like that. Yeah. But generally, it's always great to see more female representation. And that's not just on the grid, on the bike, but as well in very male-dominated work fields, like being a mechanic, being an engineer. It's always great to see that because women have so much more to give to the sport than it's at the moment they can. Yeah, definitely. It was good to see, and I would love to see Maria and her team back again sometime very, very soon. Then we move on to the crashers of the weekend. We had a crash from Yamanaka, a crash from Carraro, and a crash from Felon and Watley. Now, Felon sort of caused a crash in the first corner, which completely destroyed Watley's race. I think Carraro yeah. was also involved in that one. Yeah. And it just wasn't good. Watley had a bad race in Mizano by crashing in the siding lap. And then the boys having to fix the bike for him. He comes to Aragon. He was definitely up there in pace. You know, he was very close to his teammate. And then this happens in the first corner of the race. And it is just Vision Tracker having a bad at the minute. Let's just say that. Generally speaking, the only thing that I can say about his crashes is on the bright side, Carraro didn't have to serve his long lap penalty. Yeah, he's <laughs> he in hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the day, I think he would rather have done the long lap penalty than yeah. this kind of crash. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's everything. From other three standards, it was quite a, a tame race. Oh, it was really tame. We've made it into a massive thing, but it, the actual race was not that exciting. <laughs> Tell you that much. Isan Guevara and Suzaki and Holgado were just away, and it all sort of just unfolded behind them, but. It was pleasant for once. Let's just say that. It wasn't um, sitting on the edge of your seat about to have a heart attack like it usually is. It was a lot more tame. It's nice to actually be able to breathe during yeah. one of three. <laughs> so that was yeah. great. Yeah, definitely. But we'll move on to Moto2 because I really want to talk about the race winner. I oh, I'm just so excited about it. But yeah. <laughs> Lauren in her fangirl era. Oh, I have to be. <laughs> when you find out who it is, you'll agree with me. Now, this guy is exceptional. And you'll know this because we talk about him all the time on the podcast. And we really hype him up because he deserves to be hyped up. The rookie sensation lives on in Moto2. Pedro Acosta has taken his second win in Moto2. After just recovering from a broken femur. I think... Oh, hi. Hi, 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 hi. Has he done that? 
think that's the thing that impressed me the most about yeah. his win because Moto2 at the moment is so strong at the front mm. it's so difficult to get on the podium if you're not one of the championship leaders at the moment so when you actually predicted him in P3 for the podium I was like oh, Lauren I think it's too early you need to give him a bit more time to heal and then he ju he's just going right out of the gates and well I stand corrected he yeah. didn't need more time I mean he just looked so strong now he came back in Austria after the broken femur and was fourth but he was battling for the podium which is why I decided to put him up there in my predictions this weekend he had it tougher in Misano but this weekend I don't know what it was maybe it's just because they're in Spain you know one of the home races I just thought you know what I think he's going to be up there and I expected podium at most but for him to win and to win so convincingly he was unstoppable he started in sixth place and just slowly but surely made his way up to the front and when he got to the front he was just away and no one could stop him no matter how hard they tried and trust me second place man Aaron Cannon did try very hard but that bow tie story is just not to be this season at the minute no nope. at the minute you you keep your mouth shut <laughs> Do you, I predicted him to win. I predicted him to win. Oh yeah, I was very surprised hand, by that. One hand, I'm really happy for Pedro Costa because I think this is absolutely fantastic. He is just in a league of his own. But then on the other hand, I wanted Aaron Cannot to win. It's Spain, a home race. I was like, yeah, this, this is going to be it. This is exactly the sort of race that he needs. And he's won there before, albeit on a Moto3 bike. But I just... Something felt right this weekend, and he finished second again. I mean, I always hope for Ancona to win a race, <laughs> but it's. I just learned to live with it because otherwise I would just be bitter for my entire life, <laughs> just walking around with a sour face. But no matter how good everyone behind him was, there is no one like Pedro Acosta this mm. weekend there was seriously no one like him this weekend and it's also nice to see the progression how fast he got so comfortable on that bike because yeah. at the beginning of the season he did have a lot of crashes in free practice sessions and races and qualifying mm -hmm. it, 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 i think he had a bit of a rougher start than most people would have thought into motor yeah. two but especially this race you could have you could just see how well he works with the bike with the team with everything and it's great to see because you'd never want to see someone with such huge talent mm. struggling even though he, it wasn't really struggling what he at the beginning of the season no it, it just, just you could tell that he was trying to put all the pieces together I think more than anything he was just so close to getting it right and we knew he had speed because from the test at the start of the year he was topping the timesheets it was just getting it exactly right and now he's done that even with the hurdle of breaking his leg he's he's got that formula just right and it's so impressive to watch and I think next year he's going to be such a force to be reckoned with and it's going to be very very exciting in the championship battle although this year is also very exciting in the championship battle I can't take away from from that but I think if you're not watching Pedro Acosta you should be watching a Pedro Acosta I think That's... is the way to put it next year Pedro will also have a new team 
mate, even though we don't know who it will be. Well, we think right it's Albert now. right now, so yeah. I did say that, but... Mm. It's... Yeah, he was still still able to share his the podium, or this podium with his teammate, his current teammate, Augusto Fernandez. And why are they teammates next season, Lauren? Oh yeah, I, like, I don't I'm, think it was. No, we I have not discussed this yeah. shit. Yeah, well, we'll skip past Canada then because you don't have anything else to say. Yeah, it's all, no. th- the thing <laughs> is, he is always very good in second place, but it's you could listen to. Every podcast episode where he finished on the podium, and it's the same thing. He's great. He has great pace, but the pace was never good enough okay. to make it to the win. And that's the consensus of his entire season. Okay, case closed. Go listen to our old podcast episodes <laughs> to hear what we really think about Aaron Cannon. <laughs> no, I, I do think it was a good race from him, but I, um, I'm not disappointed whatsoever. But I want to know the bow tie story, I think is all I'm trying to say. But yes, I'm going to move on to third place, man. Augusto Fernandez now. He's up there in the championship. He's seven points ahead of Ayagura, but he hasn't got anything to worry about next season because he has signed. No, no, no. <laughs> that is the completely wrong segment. No? He has everything to worry about next season. Well, I season. wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt for the fact that he signed a MotoGP contract. We'll worry about who it's for later. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Augusto Fernandez has signed for the new, well, I say new, it's not really a new team, but it's the Tech 3 Gas Gas KTM alongside Paul Espagaro. So whether or not he wins the championship, he's going to be a MotoGP rider next year. Now, yes, it's not the best bike on the grid by any means, and we know that fine rightly. KTM also have a bit of a reputation for killing careers, as we've seen now for three years in a row but um yeah it's um it's a good move it's the right move and I hope that they can get their bike in check for the riders who they have coming on you know we have Jack Miller and Brad Bender in the Phil Factory team and now we have Augusto Fernandez and Paul Espagro in the satellite team that's a fantastic lineup and they deserve good bikes so I hope that KTM can put something together next year for these riders and like I said for Augusto it's the reasonable step up it's the right move when are you ever going to get an opportunity like that in your lifetime you're not this was his time to step up and I think it's right for him I generally hope that KTM will prove me wrong next <laughs> season but I don't hold yeah. your breath I, oh, no, <laughs> I think there's just a lot going on which I don't agree with in yes. their in the way they handle the entire rookie situation. We'll get on. I have, I, I, yeah, I, I do yeah. have many, many thoughts on that, but I think that should be an entire podcast episode on its own. Yeah. There's so much that I could say about it, but I don't want to get into it. I think now is the time to celebrate with Augusto yes his chances to get to still get podiums at the moment that's what I was trying to say and you're like no who's he going to and I was like no well we're celebrating that he's going to MotoGP we'll ignore the fact that he's going to KTM but yeah I think we should celebrate that he right now he has the ability he has to bike to win podiums and he should cherish that because I think next season will be difficult to yes. relieve these memories. Yes, definitely. But we'll move on to the man behind him. Quite literally in the race and in the championship, 
I agree. He made good of a bad weekend. Now, it wasn't horrible. He started in eighth, but, you know, the guy ahead of him in the championship, third place, he finishes fourth place. He only loses three points. He's now only seven points behind in the championship. You know, that's the best. If you can't get ahead of the guy who's ahead of you, the best place to finish is as close behind him as possible. And he was fighting hard. Iogura did not have it easy this race. He had Tony Arbelino, Jake Dixon, Firmino de Guerre, so many riders to deal with. And it was perfect. And he was scrapping hard with Tony Arbelino on the last lap. And Tony was not forgiving that fourth place <laughs> up. I was very on the edge of my seat watching yes. it. It was a fantastic battle between those two. But yes, Iagura was fourth. And then, I mean, yes, Tony Arbelino was fifth then as well. Iagura is such a mature rider. He's, mm. has, he's so, so good. The only thing that he doesn't have under control for the entire season, basically, is his qualifying. He's yeah. not a good qualifier. And we've seen it in people like Brad Binder, for example. If you don't qualify well enough, podiums are difficult and yeah. winning championships are difficult. And yeah, I just wish I would qualify better. It's still the, third, the middle of the third row. But at the same time, if you have 30 riders in the same class and you're not on the first row mistakes into the first corner yeah. can happen <laughs> and you're putting yourself into a way riskier situation than necessary sometimes yeah definitely but it, it was a good race uh I, I mentioned tony arbelino in fifth place fantastic race from him i wish he could be up there battling for the podium but to take a fifth place after the he's had a tough this season and I don't really know why. Um, you know, he's with the Mark VDS team. His teammate Sam Lewis has been out injured. Maybe that has something to do with it. You know, it's not the usual teammate. Um, he's having Santa ages stand in for him, obviously. But just he doesn't seem as up there as I thought he was gonna be moving into this team. But I think it's the difficult. big problem with Sam's absence is stuff like bike setup and development because if you don't have Sam Lowe's has so much experience and getting But they'll uh, have that. They'll ha they still have that. Sam has so much experience and has been with the Mark VDS boys for years now. They will have yeah, some he's, he's set so many races out lately. And at the beginning, both of them did great. I mean, Tony had his first win in at Kota. Sam had a couple of podiums. Sam had a win. Even more, uh, yeah, even more yeah. crashes than podiums at the same yeah. time. But it's, yeah, it's just a bit, they've been a bit of a, on a downward spiral. And finishing fifth was a good step forward to get off that path. Yeah, and it was a good race as well. Like I said, he was battling with Ayagura. Like the standard he had in that race, it was disappointing that it was only for fifth. But it was a really, like, he looked so strong on the bike, which I think is important. But I think, more importantly, you know, he has that contract for next year. Sam will be lining up against against him, beside him, and against him, I suppose. <laughs> you know, they have that normality of they'll be able to race with each other again next year. You know, it's, it's a bit of familiarity. There we go, that's the word I was looking for. So I think next year could be more of the year that we're looking at Tony Arbelino, definitely. It will be his third year in the class as well. So he's going to want to be proving people wrong because he will also want to move up to MotoGP in the next few years, I imagine. But someone who's uh, been rumoured to MotoGP seats already 
He's the sixth place man. Fermin Aldeguer. This has been a long time coming for him too. This was a fantastic performance. And he just looked so strong. And he looked really strong all weekend. He qualified 11th, which was very low to where he should have qualified. He definitely should have been up in the first three rows. But he was strong in the race. And, you know, he will have a fire underneath him because his teammate Lopez won in Mizano. And, and he had a podium after. Yeah. Well, well that's the second podium already. Then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's been on the podium before. So for me... For Fermin, it's he's gonna want to prove himself now and prove that he should be in this team and you know, the new guy coming in and, and outperforming you is gonna make you want to be better. And I think we're finally seeing Fermin get back into the flow. He's had a very tough first half of the season, but the tides are changing for him and I'm really excited for the next few races, definitely. This was so necessary for him because yeah. Fermin had also a couple of silly crashes during races where he could have finished way higher up. Yeah. But then just did one little mistake, which of course he is still incredibly young and you have to factor that in. But he went from being the golden child of Moto to yeah. to standing in the shadow of his teammate incredibly quick as well. Yeah, it's it's a lot for him to deal with at only 17 years of age, but I think he's handling it very well and he just needs to take that time to adapt and to to overcome. And I think we will see him very high up there next season. You know, we've seen the flashes. We know he's a good rider and a solid performance like this will give him tons of confidence moving forward, which is good. I mean, there's someone that you could... We could actually see next season in the championship battle. You never know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And if it's not next year, it's the season after. But he will be battling for championships. Oh, yeah. He's That's, so talented. Yeah. He's so talented. And for the fact that he's only 17 years old, he has a long career ahead of him for sure. He is crazy good. So, yeah. That's all I have to say about Firmino all the year. We'll just hype him up a little bit more. <laughs> I think he needs it. He needs to, <laughs> he, he needs to hear that not everyone is about Alonso Lopez. Yeah. Even though we love Alonso Lopez. Yes, we are big fans of Alonso yeah. Lopez. But yeah. Seventh place man then was Somkiat Chantra. Eighth place man was Jorge Navarro. Ninth place was Joe Roberts. Tenth place was Vietti. Now he made up seven places in the race because I don't know what he was doing on Friday or on Saturday. He crashing crashed. was yeah, yeah crashing was a lot of it um he's just completely taken himself out of championship contention like complete he's now about 60 points behind it kind of feels like he is doing the same thing that basically Paco did last season he's just, just lost his head thinking. yeah and it's well, it, it's so bizarre to see for me but to be fair was- Fieri's never been up there at the top of a championship before, so I can completely understand why he has gone the way he's gone because he's he's clearly not set up and prepared to deal with that, to be leading a championship or to win a championship, which I think but, is a massive thing to work on for next season because I think next season we will see him a lot stronger mentally. Um, I do hope so because he has probably one of the best teams around him that you can have to be in a championship fight because there is the Valentino Rossi connection there is the familiarity there is 
you know everyone on the team everyone is so supportive of, of you because you've basically known them for your entire or half of your life and I hope that he will kind of get it together because he's been one of the writers that we see in the gravel the most during practice sessions during qualifying during races and it's just not nice to see no but I think I think he'll get over it I think we could see him up there next season but someone unfortunately that we won't see lining up in Moto2 next year is Cameron Bobier. he finished in 11th place but he also announced this weekend that he will not be returning to Moto2 next year Instead, he will be going back to America to race in Motor America. He said that he's just homesick. He misses his family. And yeah, he just he doesn't see a progression to MotoGP. So he's basically said, what's the point of being here? I'm going to go back home, which I fully, fully understand and support. And if he thinks that's the right decision for him, then completely fair play to him. I think he just, he knows fine rightly that it's not going the way he wants it to go. And he's just decided to pack it in and go back to America, which it's heartbreaking to see that he's had to make that decision. But I respect him so much more now for him coming out and saying that I don't see it happening. I'm going to go home and be with my family and race in a class that I know and I'm good at. You know, he's won Moto America titles before. Especially at his age and the situation of the past couple of years where you can't go home whenever you want to yeah he has i think he's newly wedded this he got married this uh, this this season this year (laughs) (laughs) and it's also it's a very mature decision to say hi i would rather build a family around the rest of my family than doing it abroad constantly being away and I do hope that he will find great success in Modern America because he deserves it. He had a couple of moments that where you could really see his brilliance shine through. Well, he's had success. I'm really sure he has five titles or something like that in America. Like yes. That's why he came to Moto2, because he was so good in America, but it just hasn't worked out for him, unfortunately. But I hope it, it works out for him in the future anyway, but... 12th place then was Lorenzo Dallaporta, 13th was Baltus, 14th was Sukone, 15th was Boban Schneider, 16th was Sana Aegeus, 17th was Salach, Ramirez was 18th, Corsi was 19th, Antonelli 20th, Sean Dillon Kelly 21st, and now we move on to the crashers. I'm going to start with the last crash of the race, which was Jake Dixon. And I don't, ah, he had a really good race. A really, really good race. He was battling with Ayagura and Tony Arbolino and Fermin Aldeguer. He looked the strongest out of all of them, I'm not going to lie. And in the third to last corner, he just got swallowed in and dumped it down the road. And there was nothing he could do about it, to be honest. And it could have happened to absolutely anybody is the heartbreaking thing about it. But it just wasn't to be and he's had a bit of a bad run of luck recently unfortunately but I mean the race was good the race was really good it's really unfortunate that it had to end the way that it ended it is very difficult for me because I generally like Jake Dixon he seems like a great great character around the paddock 
and also on track. I mean, he's shown how capable he is yeah. during the last couple of races, especially this season. He's been so strong. But at the same time, this is a scene that we've seen a bit too often this season where he was probably into podium contention and then crashed out and he got really unlucky sometimes but at the same time it's always those people who say you make your own luck yes definitely. and I kind of see that as well well he'd actually crashed in warm-up and he said it himself on a, a previous interview that he completely totaled his bike and the team had to rebuild it and they did a fantastic job at that and I know that's not an excuse for his crash because that was on him, not on the bike. Um, but, you know, he's become very mature this season and he's always been saying it is the thing that he can be up there. But this year he's actually proven that he can be up there and he's actually made people sit and take notice of him and not just completely take the mick out of him. I know people love to make jokes about him crashing, but, you know, he's proved fine rightly that he can be up there, but he just needs to... I don't know what he needs to do, but he he needs to refine it just that little bit more to get the consistency in there too. But he's so close. He's knocking on the door now to being a championship contender. I think he will be in a championship fight next season because yeah. this, uh, this season he had both sides of the coin. Yeah. He tasted the champagne on the podium yeah. and he got up out of the gravel and had to pick himself up again. So I do believe that he will probably be in a championship fight next season. Oh, he will be. I'm going to say it confidently. He will be in the championship fight next season. He has to be. You can never say something confidently in MotoGP or any... I've said a few confident things in this podcast so far, so I'm just going to (laughs) run with it. But we'll continue through the crashes then. We had Hada. Kubo, Vandengerberg, Alcuba, Gonzalez, Arenas, Schroeder, and Alonso Lopez. Heartbreak for Alonso Lopez, to be honest. There was nothing he could do. He crashed in the first corner, second corner. It was very early on in the race anyway, and the bike just spat him off. Nothing he could do about it. He will be disappointed in this, obviously, because he won last time out in Mizano. I know, fine, rightly, he wanted to back that up again this weekend, an hour gone, and it just wasn't meant to be. And unfortunate as it is, we know Alonso is good, and I'm excited to see him in these flyaways as well, but I think this will just spur him on that little bit more. You know, he's tasted the champagne, as you said, and he's going to want to do it again. And unfortunately, this weekend was just not the weekend for it, but he'll be back. He'll definitely be back. Yes. And... Even though it was a disappointing end to his race, at the same time, he did finish. Uh, he, no, he did finish in the gravel. He qualified. That was yes. the word that I meant. He qualified fourth. He had to pace the entire weekend if he didn't make that little silly mistake. And also, there's also where we have to say, like David Munoz. It's the experience and the class that he's yeah. missing because he also just randomly joined during the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's coming his way. Definitely. Is that everything for Mudo too? Do we think? I am not sure if we when it exactly happened, but did we talk last uh not last week, uh for the Mizano 
race review about Schretter leaving? He is leaving. I don't know if we talked about it last. I he can't really leaving. place it when it happened. He is he going to be. It. Sorry, I don't. I have obviously missed this. He's going to be the rider coach for the Intact team next year. Oh, okay. Then I missed the, that news. Yes, I. I. Yes, I was talking to the Everything Motor Racing boys, and they confirmed that mm. one for me. It's nice to have a rider coach, but. Who will write for them? That's the question. They have that mm-hmm. confirmed too. Don't ask me though, because I actually, I have no idea. You need to look that up. I forgot what? completely. There's too many rider announcements. And if it's not confirmed, it's about to be confirmed. He's not racing next year. I don't think the lineup is confirmed at the moment. Oh yeah, Jeremy Alcoba will also go back to Grissini. Yes. That's mm-hmm. something that happened. There were so many contract announcements. Don't ask me because I don't know. <laughs> um. Yeah, so at the moment, I can't see it on their Instagram, so I don't well, think it's announced at the moment. But there you go. Well, we'll confirm it as soon as we know. Uh, that's what we should do, actually. We'll make a little confirmed list of who's yeah. actually riding where, and then we'll make a little um the expected moves and riders we don't know about yet. Um. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that because don't ask me any more questions because <laughs> I'll not know the answer to <laughs> But yes, we'll move on. We'll move on to the Premier class. Now, Hi. this was a bit of heartbreak and a bit of celebration this weekend. We had a bit of everything, but we'll start with the race winner. He just missed out in Mizano, but he took his sweet, sweet revenge this weekend. Anaya Bashanini pushed like a for the fourth time this season and stood on the top spot in Aragon in incredible fashion. It was unbelievable. He is just, wow. There has never been a time where, even though I love India, I am a huge fan of him and his talent, but I've never rooted more for this guy <laughs> than this specific race. And we will get to it later. I might yeah. just stop recording because I will yeah. probably cry a bit, have a little cry again about it. Yeah. But, uh, generally, I think we've said it so many times, Inia is such an intelligent rider because mm. he's not the one who will be very flashy with the most laps led during the season. He doesn't do that. He waits until the last five laps to Make Just, move. Yeah, and this time <laughs> on the last lap, it <clears throat> he's just like very calculated. calculated. Yeah, calculated. And... It was perfect. He he knew he was following behind Paco Bangaya, slight spoiler there, but uh, he just he knew what he had to do. He tried it early in the race and it didn't work. He moved back a few places. He had to fight his way back up, and then he knew the job in hand, and he wasn't gonna make the same mistake twice. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, just incredible. I am a huge Jorge Martin fan and I am, I wished to see him move teams, but at the same time, every time I see in the air ride, it is so, he deserves that Ducati seat the most out of any Ducati rider, including Paco. (laughs) I will just be very controversial right now, but based on this season alone, he's done so so great he had his fair share of downs as well but there is something very very special about Inia Bastianini and I can't wait to see him what he will do next season because 
it will probably get a bit spicy in the Ducati oh, It has to. Well, team orders were definitely not in play this weekend. Mm, we know that for a fact. But yeah, he was great. And second place man was Peko Bangaya. He had the opportunity to make it five in a row, joining only Mark Marquez and Valentino Rossi to do that before him. But it was not to be this weekend. In saying that, though, he knows fine rightly there's a championship to play for which we will get on to again later. So he took the second place like a champ and he knows there's a bigger picture here and not to get tangled up with Anaya. He also knows Anaya is going to be his teammate next year. And I think that is definitely going to cause a little bit of spice. Like Anik said, it's going to be so exciting to watch both of those guys in red next year. It's going to be so, so good. I mean, if Anaya is showing us this talent on last year's bike, just think what he's going to be like on the full factory, like... Oh, I just, I'm so excited already. As much as I want to see the rest of this season, I'm already like, right, okay, 2023, let's go. <laughs> like, I want to see what's happening. But Bayaya had a good race. Someone who I actually am going to say had a better race, Alicia Spagaro. Back on the podium. I'm so happy for him. And he's also back in the championship battle as well. He wasn't out of it. He was never out of it. But he's a little bit closer than he was last weekend, to tell you that much. I... I don't know why, but I just knew that Olesh will be on the podium this weekend. I <laughs> don't know why, but I, if he wouldn't have finished on the podium, I wouldn't believe the race results because I just had that feeling. And it's always great to see him on the podium. He is such an emotional guy. It's so, so nice to see every single time. I just feel for it. I, I love it. I love to see yeah. it. I love Aprilia. Yeah, living their best lives yeah. together, <laughs> and I'm really also excited to see what Aprilia will do with the RNF team next year. Yes, that will also be very interesting. Yes, it will, be but good. generally, everyone on the podium was great. Mm, definitely, there's nothing else I can say about this. <laughs> no, guys. they all had a great race. Um, mm. fourth place man though had a better race. Is that even possible? I think so. Brad Bender on the KTM. I don't know how he did it. He was actually second at one point. Um, well, yeah, chaos ensued, and then he yeah. kind of <laughs> second, yeah. as he does, as he does. Brad Bender but, knows how to make the best out of a bad situation. To be fair, for his qualifying was again a bit meh. Ten, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it was a, being on the KTM at the moment. I would say it's a pretty well qualifying, but still, he's so good at start yeah beginning of the race i don't know how he does it how he handling the anticipation with the lights but he just knows when to go full throttle yeah. and because into the first corner he was already making up quite a few places mm. when i saw it, when he was still in third and the leash was fourth i didn't know who to root for because yeah. i would have loved to see brad on the podium as well as always i I think I'm also saying it almost every episode. Brad Binder is criminally underrated. I don't think he's underrated. I think he just doesn't have the machinery <laughs> under him. You can't... There's nothing anyone can can do. You know, he's he's so good, but he just cannot capitalize on it at the minute because the bike is just not there. But someone who also thinks that Brad Binder is a fantastic rider is Alicia Spagro. Did you hear him after the race uh, praising how good he was? <laughs> Oh, it was no. so heartwarming to watch. It was really nice. Alicia was just like 
Brad was incredible. It was hard to keep up with him and to pass him. And, you know, it, it was a hell of a ride and it made things very difficult for Alicia Spagro. But that's racing and that's the great size of racing that we really love to see where they can battle on track but have such good respect for each other after the race it's, as well. It's also Alish is so candid with everything he yeah. says. Because if Alish praises you, you know that he means it because he yeah. wouldn't say it if he didn't mean it. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would never say if he like if yeah. If it likes you, he says it. If it doesn't like you, he will say it as well. So You'll know. That's, yeah. that's great. You get what you see with all Asians. Yeah. I love that about him. Definitely. Fifth place man then was Jack Miller. Not a bad performance. It was good. To be honest, I was a bit disappointed. Why? I expected more. And that's just... It's not a bad result. I just think that you could see during the race how his performance just ever so slightly went downhill as the race went along and I I don't know I expected a bit more okay okay I have nothing to say against that really because I don't really have many thoughts about Jack Miller's race unfortunately (laughs) but um we'll move on then Jorge Martin was in sixth um, <laughs> I don't have anything to say about that one either. <laughs> I, um, it's finally a solid result for him for not being in the gravel at, like, yeah. at the start of the season. And he did have, after that, he also had a couple of very difficult races, but it's still not where he should be, to be honest. And that's that's probably Kick him the hardest. While he's down, I mean, he's just got declined the factory Ducati seat. Anyway, this was the hardest thing that I <laughs> had to say today. It was really difficult for me. Well, I'm about to hype up seventh place, man, because I love him so much. It is Luca Marini. He had a good race. I don't know what happened to him in qualifying. He qualified 14th, made up seven places in the race, had a good race, showed pace, was the fastest rider on track. Just disappointing that he couldn't put it up there on Saturday to give him a a much better chance on Sunday because he would have been up there if he'd qualified. He has really found his way during the second half of the season. I was very skeptical at the beginning of the season of him. (laughs) And I do wholeheartedly apologize to that because he's been great Mm. and I love to see it. He has done incredible things things lately and even though it is a Ducati bike it's still not the best Ducati bike on the grid and no and interesting actually that you mentioned Ducatis um Ducati announced that they're only going to put four GP23 bikes out next season so only four riders are getting the full factory bikes and you know what that'll be it'll be the two factory Ducati boys and it'll be the two Pramac boys so that means that the two Grissini boys and the two VR46 boys will all be on this year's bike, which Luca Marini is on at the minute, and we know that Luca is a slow burner. So as much as you might go, that's disappointing he's not getting an updated bike. I'm thinking the long run, this is fantastic. He's going to be incredible next season because he needs the time to adapt. I do think we have to remember what last year or at the beginning of the season happened when we were like, everyone wants the GP22 bike. No one wanted it at the beginning because it was terrible. Well, yeah. not terrible, but it was just not a well-rounded bike. So newer is not newer. Newer is not always better. No, definitely for Ducati anyway. Yeah. But 
Mm. Eighth yeah. place man then was Johan Zarko. Ninth also- place man. Oh. What? Oh. Also a bit disappointing. I just don't. <laughs> I was going to say I don't care. Oh my god, I didn't mean that. I just, <laughs> I, I, I had nothing no, to I, say. <laughs> I was just like, I don't care about Pramac. <laughs> Sorry, Johan. Uh, I'm going to move on. Ninth place man was Alex Rins, who I think was a very, 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 very good performance. And you may go, Lauren, he qualified ninth. He finished ninth. Yes. But uh, there was a bit of an altercation. He went to the back of the grid, basically, at one point during this race, which I keep mentioning that we'll get on to. Um, I'm just delaying the inevitable here. But he fought back fantastically in this race. And it was unfortunate that he got pushed back at the start of the race. Um, But he made good. And he's definitely trying to leave Suzuki on a high. You know, he's got a seat for next year in LCR, but you can see that he's fully committed to giving Suzuki everything till the end of the year. And I love that about Alex Rins. And I just think he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think this is the season where Alex Rins really convinced me yeah. about himself. <laughs> and I think he also convinced all the other teams and yeah, all the fans because he, yeah, last season he... He's kind of getting a bit of slack for his... Well, he's had a tough this season, yeah. two, three injuries due to no fault of his but, own. So... Yeah, especially he didn't give up the season. He started so strongly, then he had to deal with the entire Suzuki... Suzuki Leaving. Uh, yeah. yeah, with that situation. Then getting completely cluttered by Taka, having so much difficulties to deal with and he fought through it all and I just want the best for Alex Rins. A star for effort yeah. for Alex Rins. We'll just, yeah. yeah, I think that's a good way to describe He's it. the fight of the season. Yeah, definitely. Then in 10th place we had Marco Bezzecchi. In 11th was Oliveira. 12th was Alex Marquez. 13th, sorry, was Maverick Vinales. He had a crash in qualifying and it was his first crash of the year his first crash on the Aprilia actually may I add what a bad time to have it because he was so confident he was going to fight for the win this weekend it was so disappointing but Maverick's a fighter and he's proven himself to a lot of people this season and as much as it wasn't the result he wanted the win on an Aprilia is definitely coming sooner rather than later yeah. also I mean he still finished into in the points which yeah um maybe not the greatest he only made up three positions but at the same time he was also kind of held up a bit during the incident yeah <laughs> it will be known as the incident yeah we'll not talk about it anyway but yeah no it was a, it was a good race for him I, I do think better things are coming in Aprilia then in 14th I'm excited for this one. Now, we know that Andrea Davizioso retired from racing last week in Mizano, and they had to replace him with someone, and that was none other than Yamaha test rider, Cal Crutchlow. He's back again. He's retired three times now, but he's back, and he was back with a bang. He was the best Yamaha this weekend in 14th place. He scored the only two constructive points for Yamaha that hasn't been Fabio Quattararo. He looked racy, he looked good, he looked strong, and I think we can see him pushing for top 10 finishes come the end of the season when he gets more comfortable on the bike and back into racing standards. I His performance made me question my opinions on Yamaha, to be honest. 
on the situation at Yamaha with the bike because we know yeah. it's lacking top speed. It's not the best bike on the grid, but I we all talked a lot of smack about that team about the bike. It was we all said it was the worst bike on the grid. But it it's is horrible. It is no, but, but it at is at the same time. I'm also questioning the Yamaha riders a bit. Yeah. No, it's made me question, um, especially more. Yeah, yeah, but I do agree. I do agree with what we've said in the past about how bad the bike is because I do wholeheartedly agree with that. But I'm now putting more of the blame onto riders that maybe we should have been doing before, and mm-hmm. we've just sort of been blinded by the fact that the bike's bad. But now that we've got Cal Crutchlow on it, who looked very solid, had chances of being up higher. You know, I think we could see him in the top 10 by the end of this season, which is interesting considering he's a test rider and has to come in for the last few rounds as a replacement. You know, if he's putting in those sorts of performances, but your other factory rider isn't, you know, you need to take a long, hard look at what's going on. And Mm -hmm. I don't think we'll see Frankie Morbidelli sign after 2023. I don't think with Yamaha because they only will have to seats available and one of them they will claw their hands into Fabio not let well, him go. He's, he's there for two years now anyway, yeah. so he's there till the end of 2024 anyway but you know well we'll have yeah. to see. But fifth place man, fifth place whoa <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself 15th place man was Paula Spiger. I actually said this <laughs> I think he's on his winter break already I don't think this man cares whatsoever. No, I do have to say that I believe this was one of Paul's better races. No, in the la- rise up. Not, not, of the season, not of the season, not of the season, but uh, one of his better races during this half of the season because he's been terrible. That's I, bad. That's I no. That's an insult to, be... to Paul Spagaro. He's worth a lot more than this, and I can't even he, believe I, I'm saying I that. Don't, he at least he finished in the points and second. A point. Second. A point. He didn't finish in the points for. Wait, I do have to pull up some stats. Right you now. just get those statistics there. I can't believe I'm fighting in Paul Spagaro's corner. I think That's, better of him. As, no, I and I do believe he's a good runner. The Honda is just a pretty bad bat pretty bad bike right now and he also i don't know if he had any damage on his bike but he was also kind of involved in oh it's it the now incident. feels like he yeah, had the incident that shall not be named it's like voldemort i know we can't yeah. talk about <laughs> no but he was he hit a bike with his front wheel i don't know if that kind of influenced his race no uh he finished san marino zero points austria zero points silverstone two points Assen, he was out of the race germany zero points catalonia <laughs> zero points italy zero points France. it's not the bike it's not the bike and i'll tell you why it's not the bike when we get on to the person I well, since he's always been on zero, well, not always, but he had a lot of non-scoring finishes. He does. So care. he just doesn't care. I I hope he will find new motivation when he goes back to KTM. Yeah, me too. I'm moving on though. Sixteenth place man, Remy Gardner. Now, I, thank God for this. 
Remy Gardner is out of a MotoGP seat next season, but he has found a seat in World Superbikes with the Yamaha team. Praise the Lord above. Thank goodness. We all knew he deserved a seat in MotoGP. He 100% deserved a seat in MotoGP. And I'm sickened to see that he's lost his seat because of KTM not being able to get their shit together. And it's disgusting that a Moto2 world champion who hasn't been given the opportunity to prove himself, or a bike for that matter, has been kicked out of a seat. Are we surprised? No. But it's not fair. And it's just not good sportsmanship from KTM whatsoever. I'm just so glad that he's got a seat elsewhere in a fantastic championship like World Superbikes. And I really hope that he's able to show his potential next season in a different paddock, in a different environment as well. I do believe that it is the right move for him. Yeah. Not just for his career-wise, but also with him feeling comfortable and happy. Yeah. But at the same time, it shouldn't have been a forced decision. He should have been able to make that decision on his own, not getting kicked out. After it shouldn't one even season, be a decision. That's, he that's shouldn't, the problem. He shouldn't have even have to worry about a seat in the first place. I am incredibly disappointed in how... Also how KTM or Tech 3, I don't know where the news was coming from, but I am incredibly disappointed how they handled the situation, yeah. calling him unprofessional and things like that, whereas... Raul Fernandez is also not running for KTM next season. They first, well, at first they didn't talk well about him either, but then when they announced that uh, Raul was changing teams, they sang all hail and praise about him. So I am not happy how everything was handled this season with the team, with those riders, and I think both of them deserved way more than this. And yeah. I think that's where we should end this discussion yeah. because <laughs> I will get very angry about it and sad and this is... It's just disappointing. Yeah, definitely. 17th place man was Frankie Morbidelli. I think we've said enough about oh, him. It's so 18th, disappointing. Yeah, 18th man was Darren Binder. 19th was Fabio Di Antonio and Raul Fernandez finished up in 20th place. Now we have to get on to the crashes. I don't want to. But let's start, let's start from the start here because Mark Marquez made his return to Mudo GP after his fourth surgery on his arm. I don't know how we've managed to uh, not speak about it, maybe because it's a bit heartbreaking, but it was good to see him back. I have to admit, I'm not the biggest Marquez fan in the world. People will know that by now, but I do have to admit that it was nice to see him back racing. And he looked a lot more like the old Mark Marquez. He made a shoulder shave, had a few crashes. He was racy. <laughs> he did a few toes. It was just usual Mark Marquez. You know, it just business as usual, to be honest. And it was it was nice to see and people wanted to see him back. You know, this is his home race. There's a corner named after him. You know, I was excited to see him back. He was, considering his injuries, considering when he got his fourth uh, surgery and how little time he had to heal and kind of gain gain strength Something again in, yeah, mm-hmm. in his arm, he did pretty well. Well, this is why I wanted to say that I think Paul Spagger has just checked out for the year because Mark Marquez came in and was topping the timesheets at some points during sessions. It's not the bike 
well, the bike is bad, but it's not as bad as what we think it is because clearly no one else can ride it. And even a 50% Mark Marquez can ride it better than the rest of the Honda boys. It's embarrassing. And this is a bit the same with, I think Honda and Yamaha are in a similar situation. Yeah. By where you have to question both the bike and the riders on the bikes because you have one rider who is standout like great and all the other just just can't get any performance of it so there is a problem on both sides yeah definitely but it was not to be this weekend he made an incredible start he made up six places by the first corner and by the second corner it it all went horribly 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 wrong he'd almost high-sided his bike and in doing that championship leader Fabio Quattararo clipped his back wheel and was completely spat off his bike and he was out of the race then a bit of Fabio Quattararo's fairing got caught in Mark Marquez's back wheel. His rear height device wasn't working. We got to a few more corners and it was clear that there was problems with Mark's bike. In that, Takanakagami got tangled up with Mark Marquez and was also sent off his bike. A lot of riders had to take evasive action. We mentioned Alex Rins being one of them, Maverick Vinales. Basically, the second half of the grid all had to avoid this crash Takanakagami really injured his right hand. Mark had to retire from the race because the bit of Fabio's bike thankfully came out of his back tyre, but there was clearly a problem with the bike after those two crashes and he was forced to retire. I want to say it here, that is 100% not Mark Marquez's fault. The shit that he's been getting on social media is just ridiculous. At first, when he watched it, I could understand why people initially thought it was his fault, but if you watch any of the slow-mos, any of the replays, you will fully see that there was nothing he could have done in this situation with any of those two incidents that happened. It just so happened to be that it was Mark Marquez. And people love to talk shit about him and to say that it's his fault and he's come back and he's a bowling ball and he's come back and caused all this controversy and drama. It was just unfortunate that it happened to be Mark Marquez. And unfortunately, in that, he's completely opened up the championship fight and due to no fault of his own. And unfortunately for Fabio Quattararo, he not only has 10 points in the lead of the championship compared to the 30-point lead he had coming into this weekend. Now, we knew he probably was going to get points taken out of him by Peko Bangai and Alicia Spagro because he hates Aragon and it's not a good circuit for him. But for him to lose 20 whole points... It's not what we were expecting whatsoever. And I'm sad. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about I, it. I've been sad since yesterday. <laughs> I think I started watching MotoGP and after five minutes I was ready to turn off the race. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just, it's not just sad for Fabius' title chase or his title defense, but yeah. uh, generally it was such scary incidents where you were I almost couldn't look but at the same time I had to but Taka basically didn't go into the gravel he stayed on track there were so many riders 
who almost ran into him all the same was with Fabio you never want to see scenes like these because while Taka did get surgery on his fourth and fifth finger yeah right? fourth and fifth fingers on his right hand due to lacerations is what um, we were told he it everything could have ended so much worse for them yeah so I, th- I think I that's am, the big thing yeah. that we need to be thankful that both riders well all three riders i should say are all okay fabio suffered really bad burns to his chest i don't know if you've seen this but oh his, his zipper yeah his... but that's uh, it's um, i kind of started i'm starting to question these zippers because Last year, Catalonia, even though Fabio opened the rest of his zipper on his own, there was a problem with the zipper at the beginning. Well, then the Jorge well we, still don't, the same. we still don't know about Fabio. I think Fabio opened his suit himself. If we look at crashes and suits opening, Jorge Martin was the example I was just about to say to you there because in Austria, his Alpine Star suit also opened. Now, this weekend in Aragon, Fabio's Alpine Stars suit also opens in the crash and he suffered some crazy burns down the entirety of his chest. No, I, I know he doesn't wear a, a, an, an Under Armour suit, but that wouldn't have saved anything. Yeah. He was always getting yeah. those burns on his chest and yeah. his stomach no matter what, but it I mean, at this point, horrible. At this point, it might have even been better not to wear one because... Yeah, the burn uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's the friction uh, produces heat, and it could have like burnt even worse. Yeah, yeah, like it's yeah, it could have melted into his wound. So I don't know if that might have helped him. Either way, it was something that we shouldn't see because no. that's a, these are there are safety protocols. These suits get tested they should get tested well they they do but the thing is is that they clearly aren't up to standard and it's it's embarrassing for alpine stars really because these riders need to feel safe in their protective gear and for 99 percent of the time well 98 percent of the time let's say this gear is the highest quality the highest standard it keeps the riders protected we see so many crashes where you think that a rider should be injured and they're not because of the suits and the helmets and the gloves and the boots that they're wearing but now for two incidents to happen within only a couple weeks of each other it's not good and alpine stars have a lot to say for themselves after that because thankfully both times nothing bad has happened and for the worst thing to happen yes okay he has a few burns which are terrible but thank god that it is not more than that because he could have been seriously 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 injured because his bike ran over him as well like oh if you haven't seen it go on to everything motor racing they've shared a really good picture of it and go and find the picture you can see perfectly how well his suit is just literally popped open and then you can see him literally face down sliding along the tarmac which is where he got the burns from and it's just it's bad to watch but you get a better example of it than me trying to explain it anyway i'd also say even though um fabio will be able to ride in japan these bruises will be uncomfortable on the bike wearing new letters over them again well, he has them all bandaged I, up. He'll have all sorts of creams and all on yeah, it. It will be bandaged up for so, yeah, a couple of weeks. I do believe that it will still be very, very uncomfortable. And that's something that shouldn't be the case right now. That's something he shouldn't worry, shouldn't have to worry about right now yeah. in the championship. And it, the entire situation, it's not good enough. This no. is not good enough. Well, the thing is, is that I will always say this. You don't want 
someone to lose out on the championship due to no fault of their own. And I'm very, very worried that this is what's going to happen to Fabio Quattararo this year. Of course, Peko Bagnaia and Alicia Spagro have been on charges, will have brought the title fight to him. But I mean, he's made up all those points for a reason this season. He had 30 points going into this weekend. I didn't see him making a mistake on his own accord. And of course, it's racing. And it can happen to absolutely anyone. But it's just very annoying to know that he's just now lost 20 points due to no fault of his own. And no fault of Mar Marquez either. I want to make that extremely clear. It is just the worst luck ever. And if it comes down to 10 points at the end of the season, I'm going to be heartbroken for everyone involved. (laughs) The true definition of a series of unfortunate events. (laughs) Well, the other one is Takanakagami, which like you mentioned, he has had to get surgery. We're not sure if he's going to be able to compete this weekend. Apparently he will compete because they said that it's um, a problem with his tendon and it shouldn't effect his well, he's gonna ability have to, do, to compete he is going to have to do a medical test before he... they already did it and they said that he was good to go after oh, surgery I... oh I thought he would have to do it Wait, at the circuit. I will have because it's little... like Mir who did a medical test beforehand but then advised by other people not to race they said surgery looked like the... no skin insert was necessary and we believe the tendon damage will not prevent... Oh, we believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he will have to go undergo another medical check. Yeah. I thought it said he won't have... No, to no, he definitely will have to go... I was also term. very surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um. Yeah, so we hopefully, fingers and toes crossed for Nakagami that he gets to race in his home race. I mean, it's been over three years since he's last been there and... I just Very insensitive of you to say fingers crossed well, while he has his Well, it's only his fourth and fifth ones. You cross <laughs> your fingers, they're not involved. So he'll still cross his fingers and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I love Taka and I'm a huge fan. I've said it so many times, but yeah, I do generally hope he will have a good weekend because he desperately needs it. Even though he has his LCR seat, secured for another season he needs to bring results yeah and everyone wants to race at their home Grand Prix so that's a massive thing I had mentioned Johan Meir he came back this weekend he's obviously been out with an injured ankle but in coming back to racing he's actually done himself more injury and he had to pull out of the weekend he now won't race well he didn't race in Aragon and he won't race in Japan will he race the rest of the season we are not sure but He's got a seat for next year, obviously, with Repsol Honda. Chances are he's going to focus more on that than the rest of this season. It's really unfortunate that things have played out the way they have. But, I mean, his doctor told him not to race this weekend. He passed his medical test and decided to race anyway. Well, try and race. And then it didn't go well for him. And now he's stuck at home for another week. So, disappointing for me. But he, he definitely made the right decision to pull out of the weekend. Yeah. Get better soon. Yeah, get better soon, you have. Everyone get better soon. Get better soon, Fabio. Get better soon, Taka. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, championship is close. I didn't mention it earlier, but I mentioned it now. Fabio Quattararo is still in the lead of the championship. Only 10 points behind him is Peko Bagnaia. And 17 points behind Fabio is Alicia Spagro. I do need to mention Anaya Bashnini, who is about 40 points behind in fourth place. These four guys 
I still have absolutely everything to play for. And I do think it is between those four for the championship. So things are going to get very spicy in these flyaways. It's going to be very exciting to see what happens. Um, So yeah, but I think that's everything for this week's episode. It has been crazy. There's been so many announcements on who's going where. We're obviously now going into the flyaways. Can you believe we're at this point in the season already? Oh, me. (laughs) Sorry. Well, who else am I talking to? <laughs> the listeners can't <laughs> reply to me, so... Um, yes, yeah, crazy. Because okay. now the season will be finished soon, and then <laughs> what are we going to do during during the winter break? I I have no clue. Take um, a holiday. I'm going to take a few weeks off. <laughs> it's been a busy year. <laughs> oh, yeah, we will take a week off during Christmas time. Two weeks. I- two weeks (laughs) (laughs) i'm telling everyone now i will be off over christmas but yeah i can't believe we're getting to the flyaways already it's crazy everything is to play for in all three championships it's looking very very spicy so you do not want to miss any of it we will be back next week with the japan race review make sure you set your alarm clocks ladies and gentlemen because for us europeans it's a very very early start which all the americans and australians and um, Southeast Asians and all are saying this is great because we're finally on their time zones but for us not so good for the next few weeks but it will be exciting it'll be so so exciting but yes I think you also need to mention our bonus episode coming on Friday I hadn't got to that point yet thanks for reminding uh, oh. me <laughs> but yes if you want to stay up to date with us we are at the siding lap and like Alec mentioned we have a very 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 special interview this weekend on Friday with Moto America writer Liam McDonald. It is out at 5pm. You do not want to miss it. It is a fantastic episode if I do say so myself. But that is it for us this week and we will be back next week.